Well, good morning. And once again, welcome to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here at Antioch. So thankful that you have joined us today um, for church, uh, for worshiping God, getting into his word. As I was preparing for this morning, I was finding myself just so thankful for the family of God. Uh, just for, for me personally, for my family, uh, so, so thankful as uh, just in, in prayer this morning uh, that God has not asked us to do it alone, that we're not just to, to pursue the, the things of the kingdom and walk with Jesus on our own, but that he has invited us into the family of God where, where, where we have others to run with. Others that at times will challenge, at times will bring encouragement or comfort, uh, but others to, to do life with in those ways. So thankful for that for my kids who, who have friends that are being raised in the family of God to, to pursue the things of God. I'm so thankful as a pastor that my kids actually like church. You know, it's a, it's a good thing uh, because it is the family of God. And so thank you. Uh, I love getting to do church with this with this family, with this, um, with this group of people. And, uh, and last week we talked about the church. We talked about uh, this group of people in the book of Acts chapter 2 that responded to the, the message of the gospel. This transformative message that, uh, that, that you're, you're, you can be free of sin that the, that the old you that's entangled and entrenched in selfishness and bitterness and greed, all these kind of things, it can be set free to walk in, in a, as a new person in Jesus and this gospel message um, that, that, that penetrated the hearts of people. And we're, we read in Acts chapter 2 that on, that on that day that this gospel message was preached, 3,000 people were saved and baptized, and, uh, and, and the church began. And, and what characterized this church was their devotion, this, this passionate devotion to Jesus and to the purposes of Jesus in, in all the earth. And so it was this beautiful picture of, of the church, the, the life-giving family of God that would multiply from there. And, and it is a, a passion that Jesus has given us as a people, um, this, this jealous desire that we carry to be a people that rightly reflects the beauty of Jesus in the earth today. Despite or, you know, through all of our blemishes, all of our shortcomings, all of our growth areas that we as the Big Seed Church has, we as Antioch Community Church has, that, that God through that and through our humble response to our imperfections and through our pursuit of him and our, our, our goal of exalting him, that, that Jesus would be honored, exalted in such a way that people are drawn to who he is. Because if they see him and know who he is, they're going to be they're, they're going to be drawn to him, and so that is our desire. And, and with that comes a desire to plant churches, and, and that's what uh, as as a movement. If you've been around this church family for a while, you've heard us talk about uh, the desire to plant churches. We've got three teams on the on the field right now that are that have gone to different nations to see the the church established among those who haven't heard, and uh, and so we. I so, so love getting to partner with what God is already doing in places and we get to go and join in. 
two weeks from today, many of you know this, but maybe don't know that it's coming up so quickly, but two weeks from today, we'll be planning the, our first church in the valley. Uh, and so we're excited about that. Um, that we will be uh, beginning uh, two weeks from yesterday. We're going to be meeting on Saturday nights is with the, the, the available time that God uh, made available to us. We're using a, a, a church building that's been opened up to us, and we've been so blessed by this church who's really excited about us coming and being there, and they're excited about more of the life of God happening on their, on their campus. And so uh, we start two weeks from, uh, from yesterday. Uh, next week, we're going to be having some of that team come up here and pray over them uh, as, as they go out and to see the, the life of God uh, reproduced in another location. This church is going to be up in the Arcadia area, and uh, there's already a life group that's been meeting up there. And so we are, we're just excited to partner with what God is doing there uh, so that he might receive the, the, the glory that is due his name so that there might be uh, another place that there's a, a canopy of grace for people to come under, uh, that there might be another expression of, of the gospel and the light of Christ in our city. And so team has been hard at work, uh, making decisions, uh, ordering things, preparing, meeting, getting, uh, drawing the team all in together. And uh, it always feels like you, you've got, you're not doing everything you should be doing, especially when it gets closer. Uh, but I think that, that we're really getting there and excited. Uh, not only are, are those uh, excited who are going to be a part of it from this church, but, uh, but there's a, a whole group in that community that we've been, re- have been reaching, that have been being reached out to uh, that are really excited about the church coming into to that part of the city. And so be praying, please be praying for that, that church as it, as it gets launched. Uh, many of you have expressed a desire to come and to just show your support uh, for, for the new church plan. And we love that. Uh, we are going to ask that maybe you don't come the first two weeks. Uh, we, we just, uh, in, in uh, what we're ex- uh, expecting is that those first couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot of people visiting. That's typically how it is when a new church plant comes. Oh, we're interested in coming. And then after a couple of weeks, it kind of settles in a little bit into like maybe who's going to be that uh, initial core. And so uh, we're, we're a little concerned about space for those first couple of weeks. So we would love your support. We'd love for you to come join us for, uh, for a Saturday night. Uh, and, uh, and yet, Maybe not for the first two weeks, because uh, if we all show up and to support the, the team, then, uh, then we might not have room for those that are wanting to come and check it out. So be praying. Uh, come visit the church after, after a couple weeks, and, uh, and we're, we're excited to see what, what God wants to do there. And, and as I think about the, the church being planted and that being so near and dear to the heart of God, as we talked about last week, is... Uh, God initiated the church and the birth of the church to, to facilitate the, the move of God on the earth. And, uh, and it's, it is his bride. It is the, the family of God. It is his body. And so there, there is a, a care and a concern that God has for his church that we want to share and that we want to reflect to the world around us. And as I think about the church, there's a couple of building blocks that go into that. Uh, for us, the uh, life groups that Andy mentioned earlier are a huge piece of the, the building block of the church. At least that's one way to think about it. And, and um, I'll say it this way as well. 
when we come in and out on a Sunday morning, that's not exactly the, the biblical definition of, of church, of being a part of the church together. Certainly this building, though we refer to it as the church, is not the church. It's the people within the building. But the church also is, d- describes, descriptive of how those people relate and do life together. It's not just a random group of people that come in and, and hear a teaching or sing some songs and then go back to their life. The church is, a, is an integrated a group of people doing life together and we see that happen in our life groups where there's people where you're you're getting to know them and and you're getting to know what they do and the things they struggle with and you are uh, making yourself available to be known and sharing your life and so it goes from just a Sunday morning expression of the church family which is one expression of it into a a home or an apartment or dorm room and it's like this is a whole entirely different expression of doing church together and it goes just not to that one Wednesday night or Tuesday or Thursday night whatever night the life group meets, but it actually expands from there in friendships, in texts, like, hey, praying for you. I know this was something that was happening at work this week. It, and, and really, it goes uh, for, for us to down to the next building block, and that's the making of disciples, that we would be disciples of Jesus. And, and it's in the life group that we see that process flow. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, the way of disciple making. And really we say the way of disciple making because it was the way of Jesus. It was the the strategy of Jesus uh, to change the world was to to invest in a few and empower and equip them to go and invest in a few more and on and on it goes. And and what we found over the years, and you can probably identify this uh, for things in your own life, is that the things that you you hold dear, that you really are concerned about, we call that the big rocks, right? Like we've all heard that analogy. You got to get the big rocks in first. And we're always trying to do that. And then it seems like all the little rocks come in and either cover up the big rocks or it gets pushed out of the wagon because of all the little rocks because we come back to that conversation again like, oh man, I got to make the, the big rocks. I got to get them in there. And somehow the, the big rocks, I don't know, they get crushed or they get what happened, but, but we always have to go back there in, in the way of prioritizing the things that we want to make sure are a central part of, of our life or our schedule or the way we spend our money or whatever it might be. We, we're, we're always kind of coming back to that place, right? You do that in your personal life. Okay, we got to reprioritize. We got to make sure that we're making the main things, the main things and all of that. Well, same thing goes for us as a church. Uh, if you've been around for a while, you know that, uh, that discipleship is a high priority for us. In fact, uh, when you think about the church, of course, discipleship is a high priority for the church. And, and what discipleship kind of speaks in terms of the, that actual word is the, the overarching process of the believer uh, to, to become more like Jesus. And there's a lot that goes into that. Okay, when you, when you think about discipleship, there could be uh, mentoring. It, it could be some leadership development, some marriage counseling. It could uh, be any, any breadth of class that you might take. Or, hey, we're going to read this book and do this study. And all of it kind of falls under the, the umbrella of discipleship. And all of those things are very meaningful very powerful, often very needed in in the life of the believer. And and yet it's so broad and and so so encompassing so many different aspects of our lives that it becomes unclear how then we are supposed to make disciples. And, And let me just read this. 
because you can't have any message or series on disciple making without reading Matthew chapter 28, okay? We're not actually going to go into it much today. We're going to spend more time in that passage of scripture next week, but I, I want to read it to us, uh, Matthew 28 um, beginning in, in verse 18 through 20 is what is known as uh, the Great Commission. And uh, a commission is this. It's when official authority is given to someone. So a, an official authority is given to someone who is charged to accomplish a task, to fulfill a mission, or to uh, assume a role. Okay, so there's, there's authority that's given uh, officially given to someone uh, to, to either accomplish a task, fulfill a mission, or assume a role. And so we will quickly see why this is called the Great Commission, because this is what Jesus speaks to his followers in, in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Then Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And so here is Jesus, uh, the, the, the Son of God, the one who many in this room have said, I, I'm going to follow him because he is my Lord. And this is his commission to all of us. There's a lot of different callings in this room. There's a lot of different ways that God has gifted us. And there's things that he's spoken to us about our lives and how we're to love others around us or what we're to be about. There, there are different spiritual giftings that he's given us that help to, to make up this family of God and make it a, a potent place. And yet we're all called to this thing. This thing that Jesus calls making disciples. So over the years, we've, again, I've kind of described this idea of discipleship. For us, we've, re we've recognized, man, that's a, that's a big swath of, of the Christian walk, like all kind of discipleship. So what, what does that mean for us? Well, we've often used the term life-on-life -life discipleship, trying to kind of get in there a little bit, be a little more specific about the, the kind of discipleship that we, we saw Jesus partaking in, where there, there's not just this broad over, uh, kind of this generalization or pattern of becoming more Christ-like, but where he invested in a few, where he had these 12 that he invested in and three that he brought in even more closely and they got to walk with him and see him and, and get to know his ways and they saw him interact with people uh, and, and so they were transformed by literally walking with him. And so over the years, we've had this phrase, we're committed to life-on-life -life discipleship. And it's been powerful and transformative and something that we are continually investing in because it's one of those big rocks. And it's been really sweet. And just to bring you in here a little bit, over the last year, God has again been, I think, challenging us in that, in that healthy way of uh, causing these questions to rise up in us. How effective are we being in the making of disciples? 
And we've actually been leaning even into that, that wording, though, you know, sometimes uh, the changing of words can just be semantic. Sometimes there's some, there's some powerful meaning in, the, in the, the changing of words. And we've been talking a lot more uh, about disciple making uh, than discipleship. Discipleship is not a, not a bad word in any way. It's not actually the, the biblical word that's used. We're, we're told to make disciples, not to bring people into a discipleship process, but actually Jesus said to go and make disciples. And so we've just been wrestling, God, what does that mean? What does that look like? Are we being effective? We've got some great effective life on life discipleship happening, but are we being effective in the way that we've been called to be in the way of making disciples? And we feel like God has been inviting us into a process of searching our heart, searching uh, our, some of our systems or the way that we go about things. And one of the things that's really become apparent to us is that there are ways that we can be much more effective at making disciples. And it begins with some of this wording that I mentioned earlier. So uh, th- think about it in this way. All of those things that I mentioned in discipleship, right, is the, the, the mentoring and the leadership development and the, and the counseling and, uh, you know, the, the leading people through studies that can help them become more like Christ. All those are wonderful things. But if I say, hey, I want you to go disciple someone, you're like, the, the really, because we're all called to do that, it's like, oh, I, where do, where do I begin? Or where, like, okay, so I don't know if I, I have the, the skill set to do some of that. I'm not really a counselor by nature, and I, I know that's a lot of that. Or, you know, I don't know if I have the experience that necessary to, to mentor somebody. Or, you know, that I haven't, maybe I need to go through a few Bible studies before I'm ready to kind of lead somebody through a book. And, and, and so we have this kind of discipleship uh, ideas in our mind that, that, often cause us to not go and make disciples because it feels like really complex or, or really like I need to have this certain gifting or this certain training or a certain amount of experiences before I can go and make disciples. When, when the biblical notion is as soon as you start walking with Jesus, you're released and even challenged to go and begin making disciples because the, the, the idea is that we're just pointing people to Jesus we're not saying, okay, now let, let me just teach you all of these things. Let me be a mentor to you. Let me kind of help develop your leadership so that you will be ready also to take people through a big discipleship process. And with that, it's like, man, when do we ever get to actually making disciples? Now, how many of us sit in this room like, yes, I am active in the call of God that we all have because he commissioned us at the end of his life to do it. But how many of us would say, Les, I am, I am active and effective at making disciples for Jesus. And I think that, that we would struggle to be like, yes, that is what, what we do. That is what I am about. And not that we don't want to be, it's just like, yeah, where do you begin with that? And so our, our hope and prayer the very reason for, for going into this, this sermon series that we're going in and, and then un, uh, unrolling something or hopefully unleashing us as a people far beyond this three-week sermon series into uh, this place of feeling empowered to make disciples, to, to walk with Jesus in such a way where, uh, that we're, we're partnering with him in the very thing that, that is on his heart. So here's how we're gonna do that. These first couple of weeks are gonna be a, a little bit more about what does it look like for me to, to, to be a disciple? What's he inviting me into so that I can give that away very simply? 
And so what does it look like? Am, am I a disciple who's actively walking with Jesus? And then the third Sunday, and, and I want to make sure you guys are here for this, we're going we're gonna to try to get really, really practical in a, in a simple way uh, to say, okay, now let's take these things and let's just see those reproduced. And there's, there's so much in the kingdom of God that we're just wanting to, to reproduce the life of the church. We, we multiply a life group. We want to reproduce the life of God in us uh, by, by making a disciple of another and pointing them towards Jesus. And so we, we're really excited about the way God has initiated with us and given really some new and fresh, simple tools to help us in that and, because we want to be a church that's empowered to make disciples. Not only because Jesus commissioned us to do it, because it's what he modeled for us as well. And so let's begin looking at Luke 5 today. Um, and we're going to begin looking at first, what does it look like for me to be someone who follows and enjoys Jesus? And so we're just talking about the simple ways of, of walking with Jesus and I, and I want us to, to latch a hold of something here because of a vision uh, that, that, we, that, we, that we latch onto to be a church that is active in making disciples. It is actually making that the big rock and that we're coming around that. And when we do that, there's some other things that we may have to lay down, uh, that we may have to, to give up so that we can be about the thing that God would have us to be about. But let's look at this, the story where Jesus is calling his first disciples to follow him. All right, Luke chapter five, beginning in verse one. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people who were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I want us to put ourselves for a moment into the shoes of Simon. And I don't think that will be that hard because where Simon was is uh, how many of us might spend our days in any given season. And that's this, uh, Simon worked hard. He worked hard for his family. He was, he was married. He had a job. It was probably passed along to him from his father. He was a fisherman and he would work hard, long days uh, after work, do the things he needed to do. Then he'd crash at night, get up and do it 
all over again. He was involved in the, 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 the religious life, the, the Jewish life. He would go to the synagogue. He would say his prayers. He, he did the things that he was supposed to do. He was uh, um, going through life in this way. He came into contact here with Jesus, and Jesus was a rabbi, and he had seen other rabbis, had probably heard of Jesus, uh, the one that had been coming in and teaching in these, uh, you know, in the early days of his ministry, and, uh, and, but he wasn't that uh, taken by him at this point. Uh, he was there and just happened to be there. He wasn't even one that was like, okay, I want to go listen to him. I'm going to show up. He just happened to be there with his boat. Jesus was teaching, um, and, and he's actually probably feeling pretty frustrated, uh, tired after uh, a, a long time of fishing without catching any fish. Uh, now he is doing the business of cleaning the net so that he can go home. And it's at that moment that Jesus says, hey, actually, I know you've got your nets all clean there, but can you throw them back in? Meaning he's going to have to probably rewash the nets. And he's like, okay, you do know we've caught nothing all night, like nothing. You know how many times I've thrown this net out in the water and caught nothing? They're just not, they're not there today. Uh, and, and so nevertheless, master, which would have been um, a, kind of a normal title for a rabbi, a master, teacher, rabbi. And so he says, nevertheless, you know, to, to respect you as a rabbi, I will do it. Well, the story goes on and obviously there is a supernatural catch of fish. There is no mistaking that there is something about this man who just told them to, to throw their nets in and there was a catch of fish that nobody's ever heard of, let alone the fact that we caught nothing all night, that they're not here. Uh, and, and so what we see next is Peter responding to Jesus. Peter, going through the motions of life, loves God, working hard for his family, doing the things he's supposed to be doing, but then has an encounter with Jesus that changes everything. And, and there, these are encounters that, that, that God wants to give us and that, that most of you in this room uh, probably have had at one particular time or another in the way that and not only a one-time experience where you, you meet Jesus and you want to follow him, but I'm talking about those moments in life where, where you, you recognize again who Jesus is. Because this is that moment for him. Uh, he, he's recognizing, oh, Jesus you, you're not just another rabbi, a ma master, you are Lord. And that's how he now addresses him, Lord. And he says, you know, go, go away from me. I am unworthy. It's this attempt that we have when we recognize or we see Jesus in a new way to ascribe worth to him. To try to just describe it with everything that we know how to with our, with our words or with our emotions, how, he, how worthy he is. And so for Peter, he was saying, hi, what are you doing here? Why are you on my boat? Like I am completely unworthy to be in the presence of, 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 your, of your lordship of your majesty, I, I'm undone. I, uh, you know, th there is times in my life 
that God's done this. It, and it could, be, it could be simple times after uh, watching a movie and, and just being stirred by the spirit of God through, through what's being depicted, uh, having a conversation with, with, a, with someone, an interaction with a, a spouse. There could be a, a mission trip that you're on or you're seeing just the poverty and feeling the compassion of Jesus. Whatever it is, those moments where you come to this place and you're just, you're searching for the words and emotions to say, Jesus, you're worthy. There is no one that compares to you. And, and I'm giving you my life all, all over again. I'm just coming before you and everything that I have, everything that, that I own, I'm putting it all on the table. It's like, it's on the altar again and for you to do with what you will, because you alone are worthy. No one compares to you. You're worthy of all my praise, of all my worship, of all my attention, of all my affection, of all that I own. It is, it is for you. It is like you deserve uh, the, the reward for your suffering. And, and there's just this desire to say, wherever, wherever you go, I, I'm there. Whatever you're saying, I, I'm in for that. And at whatever time that is, I, I count me in. Just this, these moments of recognizing the worthiness of Jesus and, and, and responding to it. Because do you know that he's worthy? And not only that he's worthy of your attention and your affection and your worship, but where his worthiness so overwhelms you that you're like, not only are you worthy of, of my attention and my affection and my worship, but you're worthy of the worship of my city and my family and, and the nations of the earth. You're worthy of their worship. And so something begins to spill over and, and you're saying like, I, I've got to let what's happening in me. And that's where that wherever, whoever, God, I, I'm in for what the things that are on your heart. And so Peter's having one of these moments. And I believe that even as we begin this, this series on disciple making, that we too would, would, would be drawn back to that place because the, the, the commission that we've received to make disciples is this one who has all authority coming to us and giving us that authority and, and asking us to make our lives about that. It's not an easy task. It, it, it's, it's much easier it, 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 the, to let all the little rocks come in and all the things that we have to be about or have to attend to. And, and so we've got to start here. Because what happens out of this place of just recognizing the worthiness of Jesus, it transpires into what we find in verse 11. And actually, I'll, I'll, read, uh, I'll read verse 10 as well. So uh, the, the, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Following is, is really easy when you have come to understand who he is. There are a lot of worthy pursuits in life. A lot of things that we do because they, they're, they're worthy pursuits. They're things that we're called to, but there is no thing, no one, no thing that is more worthy than Jesus. And so when we're captivated with his worthiness, the following comes very natural. 
He just said, I'm make you fishers of men. The next thing we know is like, they're leaving their boats and they're following him. There wasn't even like this like super long, there really much of any like call or, hey, I want you to come. This is what it's gonna look like. This is what I'm asking you to commit to. This is, it's just like, you're, you're, you're leaving, you're not gonna stay where, you, I wanna go wherever you're going. Like I'm following. And fishers of men, I have no idea what that means, but I'm in if you say that that's what I'm called to. Like I'll, I'll, we'll figure it out, right? I think. I don't know what that means at all. I've only ever caught fish. And, and yet because of his worthiness, and we're caught up with it, who he is, that he truly is worthy. Everything else begins to pale in comparison. Every other pursuit Every other thing that we've given our attention to, we've given our affection to, begins to pale in comparison to following Jesus. Every day, just getting up, and I just want to follow you. I want to know where you're going. I want to know what you're saying. I want to know what's breaking your heart and how I can be a part, or how, that, how you want that to break my heart as well. What does it look like for us to live our lives in that way? Not, a, not a, a segregated way where it's like, okay, we do these things at church, or life, and then we gotta, but we have to attend to all these other things with the rest of life. But how do we integrate our lives around the worthiness of Jesus? And it looks like just, I'm going to follow you today. There's not a prescription that doesn't mean all that you have to, you have to throw out all the things you're doing in your life and like, oh no, like uh, it's all wrong. No, it's just, it, but it, it, there, there may be some things. Probably there will be some things that need to be removed, some things that maybe need to be added, but really it's just saying I, he's worthy. And so tomorrow, t- today, tomorrow morning when I wake up, the next morning, I just want to follow you, Jesus. I want to walk with you. They just got to walk with him. One of the things that we call, call um, relationship with God, the way we describe it is, is talking about it, in it being personal, a personal relationship with Jesus. That, that he invites us into uh, this, this personal relationship. In fact, in John chapter 15, he calls us friends. He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't longer consider you servants. For servants don't know their master's business, but I call you friends. Like he's inviting us into this place of, of friendship, of personal relationship. And, and, and so with that, we, we are invited to enjoy him. And to, to be with him and to know that he enjoys us. For some of you, that needs to be revolutionary today. You are enjoyed by God. He's not putting up with you. He is not always disgruntled about having to go to dinner with you or like, don't they, I, I just want to go home, go to bed. Like some of the, I don't know, whatever we would place upon, he's, he's tired of me. He's tired of me. I, he, you know, whew, I, I, I require a lot of patience kind of person. You know, like he's, that's just not the way that God views it. He, first of all, he is per- pursuing you. He enjoys you, who he's made you to be. And he loves you so much so that he is always calling you upward and onward and to, to walking with him and being in his presence, being changed in his presence. And it is in this enjoyment of God that, and, and can I just say that's, and that's the, that's so 
we see that in biblically, just this invitation to follow him and enjoy him. Uh, a few of the Psalms I just want to mention. Psalm 16 says that, we're, that, that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Psalm 34 invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 36 says that we are to drink from the river of God's delights. Psalm 37, we are, we are to delight ourselves in the Lord. That we are to follow and enjoy Jesus. And really, that's a, a huge aspect of, of the making of disciples is that we become a people who enjoy Jesus and follow him, and we just invite others to do the same. Hey, you want to you you walk with Jesus? to follow him because he's worthy and to enjoy him because there is no one that, that will, will bring more fulfillment or satisfaction to your life than he. His personal relationship uh, of, uh, requires, just like we, we know this to be true from relationships that, that we have here, that they require communication. We had a marriage night last night, and it was a marriage date night, and really the, the premise of it was that we would have some time set aside to, to spend with our spouse, and we were given discussion questions, and uh, we were given some, some topics to talk about. We were given a sheet of how to practice, like asking for forgiveness and giving for forgiveness. We're just learning how to communicate well with one another, to honor one another, and not only in marriage, but in any relationship, the ability to communicate uh, uh, is, is, is crucial. And so in the same way as we walk in a personal relationship with God, can I just remind us how critical it is to be a people of prayer? And God invites us into it. He, he invites us into to this place. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. He's, he's inviting us to come into his presence. Yeah, it, it expands upon it in Philippians 4, 6. As we come to him, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's this place of prayer. And there's many more uh, scriptures that we could turn to that, that speak of us coming to God in prayer, just talking to him, praying back scripture to him, praying out the things that are on our heart, and then, of course, as it is in any relationship, if you do all the talking, it's going to cause a problem in the relationship. And so there's a place for us to learn to listen to God. Just listening. God, what's on your heart? I want to know your ways. Creating space, carving out room in our lives to, to listen to him and and I'm going to read this one final passage of scripture that talks about just hearing the voice of God out of John 10. And as I do, I, I want you to ask God just a very, very simple question. God, what do you want me to know? What do you, what do you want me to know? Even at, whether it's maybe particularly out of this passage of scripture in John 10 or maybe something else that God is speaking to you. But I just believe that we want to begin training our ears to, to listen giving him space to, to speak. And so really it could be something, and if you have a journal or something to write it down in, you could just even finish the sentence. Like, I, I want you to know that. And then what, what is it that he's wanting you to know? What is it that he's wanting to, to, to speak to us today? So let me just read this. John chapter 10, beginning in verse two. The one who enters by the gate 
is the shepherd of the sheep. It's Jesus. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He calls you by name and he leads you. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We're just going to leave that up on the screen for a moment. And we're going to just respond. In fact, why don't you go ahead and just stand with me for a moment as we just say, God, what, are, what do you want us to know? And so we're just going to give you a few moments here and just to be quiet. Say, God, what do, you, what do you want me to know about leaning in to listen, about following you and enjoying you? What do you want me to know, God? of responding today I want to invite those of you who feel stirred this morning or maybe feel just a fresh place of conviction around the call that we all share to make disciples and if, if God's stirring something in you as always I just want to make the front available I just feel like there's some that just need to come and say I just I, I want to be about that. And, and the first step that God's leading us into today is enjoying and following him out of a sense of his worthiness. And so if you're, if you're just being struck by his worthiness or being convicted by the place of like, I, I don't know that my time or my, my, my big rock is, in the, is the right one or whatever it might be, just, just saying, God, here I am. It's like that there's just ones all across the room that God is wanting to draw into a place of a friendship, a deepening of just of intimacy and closeness as a disciple, as a friend. For others of you, um, maybe you're, you're feeling that same conviction and you need to turn to your, your spouse or, or roommates and just, hey, can we pray? How can we be about making disciples? Maybe if you lead a life group with a, another a group of people in the room, maybe you need to go find other life group leaders or life group members and say, we want to commit to being a community that makes disciples. How can we do, let's pray, let's pray into that. And then our ministry team, you guys can come on front, wherever you are, just come on up to the front. And if you need prayer for anything, and I mean that, prayer for anything big to small, we want to be a, a church family that prays for one another. 
that that would be a part of, you know, there may be days that you're praying over someone. There may be a day that you need prayer, but we want to be the family of God that, that brings God into the, the trials of life. And so if you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to come and receive prayer. And finally, if there's anyone in the room today, and I know that there are many who are on a journey with God, and as I spoke about having personal relationship with him, you're like, that's, that's not something I've experienced. Maybe God has felt like he's at a distance or maybe you've been at church in the past, but it's just felt really, really religious. But today there's something that stuck out to you about having a personal relationship with him. Know this, that, that Jesus longs to walk in, in a personal relationship with you. And, and you can have and experience that today because of what he did on the cross for each and every one of us. And so if that's you, we'd love to talk with you and pray with you so you can have a personal relationship with him today. But in whatever way you need to respond, let's not leave this place without responding to God today.